Hi everyone, welcome back to Podcasters Unleashed and we are back stronger than ever. We are six of us here. Nelson is back in the game after his secret mission in Latin America. <laughs> if you want to know more about his podcast, um, we will talk about it later. But today we have a very important topic to discuss is about women pursuing career versus motherhood and whether women are being lied to uh, because as we know well in the west or in other countries at 19 it's all career and you need to get your shit together you need to get your career you need to get everything in place and uh, you have a, you need to have a successful degree get a job but at 30 some women they have this shift in their mind where they no longer um, find their career satisfying and they no, no longer feel this fulfillment in their uh, work field. So according to uh, Forbes, they have done a survey from Deloitte and uh, they have came up with the statistics that fewer than half of women are satisfied with their current jobs and 51% are less optimistic about their career prospects than before the pandemic. And these are real statistics, you can check it out in uh, Forbes magazine and also in Deloitte too, you can have all the details about uh, this survey. Uh, so we are picking this topic. It's not just about a women's uh, issue. It's a society issue that could uh, affect uh, the family. It could affect uh, men and women too, and society as a whole. So before going deep to this topic and answer the question a woman be lied to, I would, would like to introduce my co-host. So let's go with Matilda. Hello, everyone. This is Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, a journey to self. My podcast is about finding yourself, loving yourself, and coming out of adversity stronger than before. And uh, over to you, Victor. Thank you, Matilda. I am Victor Sion. I'm the host of Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. And then, yeah, we talk about strategies. I interview Diaspora Entrepreneurs who have exited the, the daily grind and have successfully moved towards the, towards the life of freedom. So we talk about mindset, we talk about strategy, and we talk about fulfillment of um, your ultimate lifestyle. Over to you, Nelson. And good morning or good evening, everyone. This is Nelson, Nelson Jason Brano. I am the host of Investing in America, <clears throat> excuse me, where we talk about how to invest in the United States, specifically U.S. real estate. And we have incredible interviews with some incredible individuals. And uh, I look forward to having all of you on. And our book is coming out and our YouTube channel as well. So over to you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla and I'm the host of the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, which is a podcast for parents and educators. And it's for kids, all about kids between the ages of five and 14 years old and how to improve their education and their wellbeing. Over to you, Simon. Hi, thanks, Carla. I'm Simon, Simon Rushton. Uh, my podcast is Taxi Chronicles, where I just interview people as they get in the taxi. They talk about their career. They talk about what's going on in their life and love relationships to all manner of things. And we... Pod, we sorry we publish it every day at 8 a.m and it's short it's five to 20 minutes and it's on all major platforms back to you howler 
Thanks, Simon. So, also my podcast is Women Stories Podcast. We will share all uh, stories of women across the globe. So, tune in for a new episode. And for this topic of today, we are going to uh, start from the beginning and see how uh, this issue and how uh, women's life has changed uh, before, back in the 60s and now. So, I want to ask Nelson, um, how do you see uh, the role of women back in the 60s and now, and did it change to the best? <laughs> well, thank you very much for that question. Okay, Nelson was not around in the 60s, so let's just get that out there right now. <laughs> we don't know your that. age, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wasn't, I wasn't like in the workplace in the 60s, okay? <laughs> I was in the process of being conceived, all right? <laughs> so, um, so that's the first thing. Okay, so I, I would venture to say that even before you go to the 60s, you got to go to the 1940s and 30s, right? So there's a cycle of things here. Um, the United States in the 1940s, a lot of the workplace was actually women, Women were heavily, heavily in the workplace. Uh, why? Because a big pop chunk of the U.S. population went off to fight World War II, whether it was in the Pacific or it was in Europe. And uh, when those men returned, a lot of those women left the workplace. Okay, so they they left the workplace. But women occupied a lot of what you could be called non-traditional jobs. They were welders. Uh, some cases became pilots. So a lot of jobs. Uh, women replaced. In the 1960s, you could say it went more towards women going into more professional white collar careers. So that's what you could say happened or started to happen, right? <clears throat> because if they go into it in the 1960s, where are you going to see that? A generation later, 10 years later. Um, so that's kind of like that, that cycle has been going. I think that was driven in part by the uh, uh, by the liberation movement of the 1960s, counterculture, uh, you know, all, all, all of those sorts of things. Okay. So I, I kind of had to give the picture before that. Okay. So do you think it's changed to the best? Well, the best is, is a personal, uh, I mean, that, that's a very personal answer, right? But I, I would say, and again, it may be because of this, it may not. It probably does have a part of it. Um, you have had more of a breakdown in family structure, okay, more more breakdowns of family structure. Uh, I, for one, was a latchkey kid. Uh, for the folks that don't know what a latchkey kid was, a kid, the, the parents literally would tie the key to the house uh, like a dog, like the dog chain, like the dog tags with the military, you have the key. And then when you, you would go home, you take the key out and you'd put it in the door and you had to tie it to the kid around the neck so you wouldn't lose it. Why? Because the kid got out of school earlier, me and uh, my brother and sister as well. So we were latchkey kids. You had the key and you went home and then your parents came home a couple of hours later. And hopefully by that time you had your homework done. So uh, it, it again, I, I would say it all depends on a lot of the values. What are the internal values? Right. For some people, <clears throat> if externally those values weren't that strong. Those kids might be having drugs, having sex. Heaven knows what's going on. In other cases, the kid comes home. They know they got to do the homework. Oh, my goodness. My parents are working. I need to do the laundry. I need to go pick up my brother and sister. I need to have dinner going. So, again, internal values dictate a lot. 
or even yeah. structures, you know, values and structures. Yeah. Uh, but um, but Nelson, were your parents immigrants? Yeah, they were immigrants. Yeah, I think it's immigrant. important in the conversation to know when you're an immigrant, you have to, I mean, women and men and children, they're in a different category. You have to work. Well, it's and it's not just you have to work. You have to work to catch up because so much you just don't know about. You know, you just you just literally your parents don't know. You don't know if somebody comes to sign an insurance contract or sign something. Usually it's the adults read it when you're an immigrant. The kid is the one that's reading it. Hopefully it makes sense. So. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're you're an immigrant. But again, uh, a lot has to do with the internal value systems and habits uh, of that family, of that unit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's very important point to outline also the values and internal system of, of the family structure. Uh, I want to uh, talk to Simon and I know you're European about this. And uh, how do you think a uh, woman's role has changed? Um, when when we say change, are we talking from like the period of the war or are we just talking up to date? We're talking from the 60s because the 60s of the, the feminist okay. movement started in the 60s. So Okay, fair enough. Um, from what research I've been doing, um, there's various different reasons why um, women have left the workplace or increased in the workplace. My, my personal opinion is it's it's been a, women have been, like from the war, women showed that they could do every job more or less because when drastic times, drastic measures, every, but all hands to the deck. So there's no argument that women can't do a certain amount of job, uh, any any job. Um, it kind of naturally filters itself out over time because people lean generally to jobs that they prefer, um, even if they don't have that much choices in jobs. Now, the argument is, um, which is quite interesting, is have are there enough women in every occupation? And that is, to me, it's a bit of another debate, but I think, well, there's women in, the jo women in jobs like that so they can do the jobs. And um, mm -hmm. the change of things is... I, I think it's just about the best person for the best um, job. And with as an employer or someone who's been an employer before, you just want somebody who doesn't have to, um, you have to make the least amount of changes. But statist statistically, yes, women have been growing. I could talk, I could talk up to date where women have been growing drastically in the, in the workplace. And they, for instance, teaching. If you look at teaching from the 60s, that was heavily male-dominated. And now if you go into school, I can talk about England, um, it's just heavy dominated on women. Now, somebody is pointing out that that's changing. Um, women are leaving for various different reasons, but I believe I don't want to jump into your future questions. So I shall leave it at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> OK, thanks, Simon. So, yeah, well, in the 60s, we had the feminist movement. And I would like to know from the audience, do you think feminist movement changed women's role today? And do you think the, uh, the society is evolved into a better way? So uh, I want to know more about the financial independence that women had uh, and they have also now. Um, 
Victor, uh, I want to talk more about uh, the difference between the women's role uh, in the Nigerian tribe or in Africa in general, or uh, and how do you see the difference between the West? Yeah, thank you. And thank, thank you, Kana. Uh, I just want to um, maybe clear some, well, some misconception about um, women in um, Africa and their roles. Women in Africa, majority of them are entrepreneurs. So the, the factory movement started coming into, into um, the, the, the factory movement or the factory style of living where corporate, corporate, corporate is majorly in the big cities. And Africa is not all about the big cities. We have women who have been trading, they've been doing um, multinational trading, if I'll use that word, between tribes way back, way back a hundred years ago. So they go for days, they're like Martians. They go for days, they bring back spices. So women have been huge earners in the family structure in Africa for a very long time. So they're not, it is now, what was it called, nowadays, that we start seeing women going for, for the employment thing because they, when they grow up, they go into family straight away and that balance is kind of natural for them. So it's not, it's not what, it is what, it's not, um, can I use the word monkey see, monkey do? I don't know if that's correct, but that is how it is. It's just generational. So it's not, there's no big, shift when it comes to this, but you can see the ones that are more academically inclined, who are more, who are more, who are more, should I use the word structured, or who has, who followed a, a well-structured way of assimilating processes, which we call workers today, they find themselves tend to be more, they find themselves employed. But being employed by the man is not really, um, from a cultural perspective, it's not really a thing, being employed by the man. Because the man goes out to hunt, the man goes out, the man goes out to, to, to work, the woman as well goes out to work. Get. And the in-between, the kids and all those domestic stuff is being... I don't know how it's been run by family, kind of. So those um, shy kids, no, 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 it doesn't really, really affect families like that. Mm. In the larger, in the larger proportion, but moving towards the city where you have more corporate jobs, women, ah, the family becomes nuclear. Now you start to you have to depend on yourself or your partner. So your earning level is greatly in danger because you can't really explore. And there's that support structure is not really there. I don't know if I'm rambling, but that yeah. is just the point I'd like to drop now. Yes. So basically, growing... Okay, Simon, go ahead. I just want to add to what Victor is saying. From my time living in East Africa, um, and BBC even spoke about it, Africa's continent... A, a big, uh, quite a big percentage of African 
continent relies on women doing like this, like an underground Silk Road from West Africa to East Africa. They're taking like, like Victor said, from food to creams, to hair products, to clothing. And that's really, really strong. And also going back to your question about the, the 60s, we've got to remember this. Government does pump a certain rhetoric about trying to get women into work. They may have their own motivations to try and get more tax. But many mums were earning, were working, but they're just working from home. So you could do your neighbor's hair, or you could be the Avon lady or selling different products. That's still a job. But it's just a job that, like today, where um, people realize, actually, I can do my job from home and still look after the kids, drop them to school, go to the gym in the day, and get home in time for enough, uh, be at home to pick them up or to meet them and see their needs. So I would, I, I could, I personally would say women in many respects have always been working, but it's just that whether it's the rhetoric of the government or whatever, haven't really valued what they're doing at home because, you know, mm. you do have, let's say the stereotypical, which isn't necessarily true lady who just sits at home um, after looking after the kids. And, but you do have the other lady, which is for instance, Africa is very prominent, very, um, very common, sorry, where they're doing many different things to bring in that added money, whether it helps the family or it's just their spend, uh, spending yeah. money, whatever, but they're doing something. They're not just sitting down. But, um, but yeah. That's interesting to know that part of you in, in, in Africa and what's happening there. I want to know more about Matilda and your culture and your point of view. Uh, how do you see women supported their families before and did they lose their uh, motherhood job um i think if we're talking about iranian culture it's a um, little bit complicated because of the revolution so revolution women before revolution uh they they had a different place in the society they were valued better they had top jobs actually iran was a very advanced country uh shah time and then revolution happened and as we know or as people who are interested to you know, uh, women are very suppressed in Iran uh, because of this new Islamic laws. Um, so, but I'm the first, I'm one of the first generation after revolution. And for us Iranians, education is the key. Like if you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not an engineer, uh, you're nothing, like your parents are very strict about it. I know maybe Indians are close to it or Chinese are close to it, but for Iranian family, you don't need to go to football game uh, after school, you need to study. Like for us, even like middle school, uh, studying 12 hours is a normal thing after school to do your homework and then study, study, study. Women, actually, right now, they have my age in their 30s. They have the highest PhDs per capita. It's in Iran. And not just regular PhDs. They have PhDs in mathematics, uh, chemistry, uh, physics, because they know by education, with education, they're buying their freedom. They're buying their independency. And it's very important and interesting to see that um, in Iran, every family is pushing their daughters more than their uh, sons to study a lot because they know that's the way that they can get somewhere in a society. Otherwise, women are very suppressed. Yes, but it has a, a high cost, uh, cost of just pursuing 
PhD and PhD, it takes a lot of time to, yes. to have it. Career takes a lot of time, and women they don't have much time like men. <laughs> uh, know, yeah, yeah. In Iran, they do it all. Like for my dad, he's like, oh, you have to work, you have to be a mom, you have to do this, all of it together. Doesn't matter how it costs your health or something, but you have to do it because there is no other way around it. If you don't work, then the society and the system, and God forbid you marry a wrong guy, then your life is uh, in a very wrong place. I mean, in Iran, women don't have a lot of rights. One of the things I can tell you, if you're married, you want to get divorced. Obviously, it's very di difficult to get divorced. A woman cannot yeah. ask for divorce. And if the man divorces you, you cannot take the child. Even if the guy is a criminal, is in jail, the child goes to the parents of that father. And if they don't have a parent, it goes to the brother of the uh, father. Yes. And then goes to the, and then if there's nobody from the father's side, goes to the mother. So it's really complicated. That's why women, for Iran, women need to have a high education and to work. And they do the, I mean, they do the motherhood as well on top of it. And they cook. And Iranian food takes a long time to cook. And they cook as well. So women work a lot in Iran, but they don't have any other alternative. But that's insane to do it all. I mean, Samet, you can't just do it all. You need to have a support system. Go ahead, Nelson. No, I was just going to say that there's a business. I mean, you could get Iranian to-go food, um, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you got your Iranian to-go food Oh, right no, there. Iranian men don't like that. <laughs> they have, they like it home cook. I don't know what cook. It has to be like the mom, uh, his mom cooking. There's a lot of... Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking at women in Iran, even my mom, um, how she's cooking and how she's handling home. And for example, my aunt in America is like very total different ballgame. And in Iran, people, women do it all in a way. Now it might cost their health. I don't know what it's costing them. But um, well, but but Matilda, would you say is it that they're doing it all, or that is just parents wanting to give more opportunities? to their children. I mean, also that, and I mean, maybe in Western world, women are not suppressed, so they don't feel that urge, or maybe in African culture, women are not suppressed. But when you come to a society that women are suppressed, you know your only way out is education and financial independence. Even but, if you want to provide good things to your child. But, but hold on a second, Michael. The but way, is, you know? is that really financial independence or is it that, I mean, a woman or a man can say, look, I have this much value. I'm bringing this much to the table. Hence, I will attract and bring in a man of that type of value. Um, I mean, I mean, Iranian society has different layers, but the the majority of it right now, unfortunately, it's under the regime. And um, there are certain uh, ways how men like to handle life. And uh, women don't have a lot of choice in that. So legally, you don't have a lot of choice. Yeah. But I, 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 uh, some I mean, men are amazing, but I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sometimes you, things go wrong. When, when a woman does that kind of, I guess, work on herself and education of what you just mentioned, to me, that woman will always have choices. 
you know. She, yeah. she'll, she, she'll always have exactly choices. because if more you don't choices, go to university, yeah, but limited time. <laughs> uh, let's let's yeah. let's go ahead with the with the comments. Okay, right. We've got comment from Mister Infinity Channel. Says the today's world and evolution has made it necessary for women to change, play significant roles in family, especially financial aspects of today's world. And also he goes on and says, I see this inclusion of women in every facet of today's life as a very impactful and great move, even if there are aspects that's been contested by men and society at large. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those comments, Mr. Infinity Channel. And we also have George. Hi, George. Nice to have you back with us. And we'd like to know from you, George, and from Mr. Infinity Channel, um, what you think about the impact of the feminist movement? Um, do you think it's changed society's uh, role, uh, women's role in society? If so, how? Back to you, Howler. Yes, I want to ask you a question, Carla, because uh, you are a single mother and you had your children at an early age. So <clears throat> do you regret that time being a young mother? No, I don't, actually. Um, I don't regret it at all because now that I'm in my 40s um, and I have a lot of friends who don't have children, um, I get to see the distress that they go through um, as a result of not having children. And, and for some of them, it's a panic. It's not a distress. It's an all-out panic. It's like, find a guy, find a guy quick um, for some people. And for others, it's like um, just a kind of a sad resignation that maybe they were never meant to be mothers. Um, and it depends really on the values uh, or, you know, the belief system of people as well, how they look at that. But I have seen uh, a lot of people of my age just have regrets. Um, and for me, I have thought a number of times, thank God I had my kids when I was young. And and um, and, and, and just just by the way, uh, you know, Carla, she said 40s. She is not in her 40s. She's in her late 20s. Maybe she's, maybe she's right around 32. You know, I mean, you know, if, if you saw her next to her kids, you're like, you know, they they could be her body doubles for the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, having kids in my 20s, and actually, I have daughters in my 20s. So in their 20s, should I say? So I get to have conversations with them as well now about motherhood. Um, and about trying to plan it around careers and around work. Um, and both of my daughters are of the mindset that they will not, they will work and they will progress in life as women pursue their interests, be educated and things like that. But they will not um, forego motherhood. They won't lose sight of that. So they, they do keep sight, even though they're in their early 20s. Um, it's in their radar um, and they're trying to figure out ways to balance it before they get to that point maybe just because of the conversations that I've had and the different experience that they've had um, watching me and just different conversations with different people of different age groups. But I definitely don't regret it. Does that mean it was easy? No, it wasn't easy because I was a teenage mother, which comes with a whole host of other issues that actually feminism can't help you with, to be honest, to my experience. But I don't regret um, being a mother at all. In fact, it's the best thing I ever did with my life. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I've done both career and job and sticking kids in a car and latch key, all of it. I've done it all. <laughs> Nelson mentioned about the key around the neck. I remember my daughter, actually, when she went to secondary school for the first time, she she lost the key to the house and my house got robbed because I was awake. 
<laughs> yeah, so I've been through a lot of things, um, trying to balance and juggle motherhood, but I did have my children very early and it gave me kind of a head start with motherhood because I had two kids by the time I was 20. So then I went back to study um, and took the kids to university and all that kind of stuff. So it was a different way for me and I, I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, and we are proud of you, <laughs> Carla. Yeah. Yes, what I wanted to say is just to just on the, on the, on the opposite side of um, what um, Carla was just saying just now about people on, 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 on her level, executive women, women with long-term career, doctors, and then, you know, the Wall Street, the who is who. See, I had a research here which I did regards um, executive women that wants to have it all, or the means of having it all. And it's from the Harvard Business Journal, uh, Harvard Business Review. And it says that about 33% of women in this top one, in the one percent, they are kind of, within the age, within the ages of 41 to like 55, in as much as they are, they are the chairman of universities, they are the execs of Wall Street Bank Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Yeah, they actually crave that team that Carla was saying. She will never give it up for anything. She's very proud of it. They actually crave that team, which some of them, according to the research, they will not like um, acknowledge it publicly. They'll put on that brave face of go change your career, do this, do that, do but on the flip side, on the wheel, they will tell you that, according to the research here, they will tell you, see, I still crave for this. I don't know how, I just, I was not, I was, my my 30s just went like that. Now, now I'm in 41, 45, 52. How did I let this go? I thought one day, one day, one day, and one day I woke up at 52. So I just want to add that to uh, what Carla just said. Yes. And especially for women, for example, if they have a successful career and they don't have uh, a personal life, a life partner, what the hell they are going to do at their 40s till, till 60s or 50s? What the hell they are going to do if just they have a career? That's... That's a very uh, sacrifice thing to do. See, um, Hala, I'm, I'm, I'm up for a strong woman. I'm up for the career path. I'm up for to follow follow your career. For, but there should be, in my opinion, there should be a balance. Yes. You get because and that balance actually. That balance, actually, the, the companies, they don't give that balance. That's why we have this kind of statistics now where we see a lot of women, they leave the work uh, behind them because there is no uh, life balance. I don't have life balance with my work as a full-time job <laughs> woman. Uh, well, uh, I want to know what Simon's thinks. Um, for, for, there was... There's a question I was going to respond to, um, well, a comment that Matilda Nelson brought up, but I'm interested, well, let me address, sorry, let me address that first. When they talk about um, women, it's basically, you talk about Armenia, correct me if I'm wrong here, about they get a good education, which makes them worth more. But from, Iran. 
Sorry, Armenians Iran. are not that much of a edu in education. Iran is. Okay, thank you. So what that makes me think of, because first of all, I thought of Beyonce. Don't know why she came in my mind, but she did. Um, and there's a point, and also I thought of Gilles and Pieces, there's a point as you get educated as a woman, it can make it more difficult to find a better man. Because if you get extremely educated, <laughs> the niche of men that you're looking for, because remember, men are builders, plumbers, all these things, get smaller and smaller and smaller. Unless you're willing to take a man who says, well, I'm a dustbin love, and this is good as it's going to get for me, but I'll take you on with your two PhDs and masters. So, <laughs> so that's quite interesting because statistically, Jordan Peterson and some other um, Harvard professors were saying that overall men are not necessarily, if you're really educated as a woman, it's not necessarily the feel and end or as an attraction as a man. It's more or less, can you make me have give me a home as in with my children and your core values that you brought up if you brought up an ideal family and that kind of thing so yes. that was um that just came to mind and i just thought i'd but simon just want to add something because sometimes also men they feel intimidated by women's success if a woman she's going phd career everything and the guy who is like <laughs> plumber or i don't know I mean, he can't reach out to her because they are not in the same level. Mm. So no, I, I hear what you're saying, and I don't dispute that at all. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking that you could date somebody, you know, a lot of people, and this is people in general, it's not to say one gender, when they're educated and they're book smart, they think they know everything about yes. whatever subject. And you find that it's a battle. Yeah, um, but, but, but communicating. Go on. But I was going to say, but Simon, you have people that have no smarts and they think they know everything. Uh, I mean, I mean, look, in the last 18 months since COVID, everybody's an expert on viruses. OK, people that failed, they failed science in high school. Now they're experts on viruses. They're experts on foreign policy. So mm. at, at least this one actually has a piece of paper behind her to mm. say, you know, I studied something. Yeah. Anders has got a comment for you there, Simon. Anders yeah. says, if that's true, Simon, then men have huge issues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he also says intelligence is attractive. So I think he's countering what you're saying there. Uh, you know what makes me laugh? I know Anders on a personal level. And <laughs> he's not living what he speaks. <laughs> okay. And he also says the feminist movement has lifted up the inequality that women have been living in for ages. Feminist movement has lifted up needs on a political level, which has created political changes. I agree with that. I think the feminist movement, it, it has a bad rap, but it does have some positive. It started some positive dialogue, let's say, around certain issues, but it doesn't solve everything. Anders also says, what are they going to do? That question is the same, either you're male or female. That question is a deeper question about what creates meaning in life, no matter male or female. And Mr. Affinity says, of course, it has brought loads of changes, talking about the feminist movement. One of such changes is late marital life, if not total abstinence from marriage. Interesting comment there. I think that's true in certain countries as well. They've seen a massive reduction in uh, women, in fact, people in general getting married. Um, and Daniel says, women have played a critical role in our societies. They are in politics. Back to you, Hannah. Just to add in there, Women, what I found, and this is beautiful for Kenya, Kenya has a woman MP for every county. 
automatically. So you've got the normal MP post where you could vote in either gender or whoever. But they also have a woman MP for every county just to represent women-specific issues, and, and, which and, is but, very, but, way far ahead compared to what the West. And that's not done by the feminist movement. Uh, Simon, one second. Sure. Um, if you could just explain to the non-British listeners what an MP is. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's a member of parliament. So it's basically a politician. It's somebody who can influence mm. government and has a say. So what they're saying is, let's say we have 360 or whatever members of parliament that's um they all all represent a county or a borough or what have you but then you also have a select amount of people um who are just designated for each county who are there specific for women's issues like when i spoke before about the drunkard husbands coming home and harassing their wives and uh, the women they went and spoke to the women mp and the women mp spoke to the police and had the pubs shut by nine o'clock <laughs> So, start so, to yeah. so why what why does the pub owner, the bar owner, have to pay the price? Well, someone's gonna, you know, it's a big sandwich, and someone's gonna take a bite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I suppose that is, is funny, isn't it? That's an interesting example that you brought out there, Simon, because actually that shows um a question of values being uh, conflicting with economics. So in some countries, they would say, well, the business owner's right to stay open later or whatever is more important um, than the women's, the local women's complaints. But obviously, in that case, in Kenya, the local women um, took the vote more than business did. <laughs> but, but why did she marry this guy? No, but it, you know, I, I, I mean, I mean what, what, why did she marry this dude? It's core values, though. It's what, what does your society, what? Any society should have core values, family core values as a priority, because that's what makes a society work. And that also obviously includes giving women the uh, protection that they need and fair opportunity. So one second. So if the guy overeats, we're going to close supermarkets down too. If the we're, you know we're going to close McDonald's down, if the guy you know likes to you know eat your well, Mac. Nelson, Mac, <laughs> McDonald's is a single guy, and if he's overeating at home, that's the wife feeding him. Uh-huh. Oh, she got to go to jail, too. You know, she... <laughs> anyway, back to you, Carla. Yes, let's yeah, we've see, got let's more see. comments. Yeah, go ahead, Carla. Uh, so Mr. Infinity Channel had earlier said that, you know, feminism has brought lots of changes, and he brings out this comment. He says, um, which is quite interesting, again, some women have taken this change to the extreme and not given respect uh, to the men or husbands like days of old. And he also says the greatest positive aspect is the supportive role in terms of helping their partner or husband and children in solving financial liabilities and career building. So he's talking about the pros and cons there of the feminist movement as he sees it. Yes. And also I want for the audience to answer the question, why motherhood is not advertised enough? Why? Why do you see a lot of women after high school, they all, all of them, they chase career and just the, the fact of hearing the motherhood, they are like crying away from it. And this is a fact because not even in the, in the Western societies, but in the old societies. So yes, uh, Matilda, I want to uh, ask you a question because we all have seen Jordan Peterson <laughs> with you, the lectures. What? I say it's not going to be advertised because it's not sexy, you know. I, I have a theory. I, I beg to differ. It I is sexy. I have a theory. <laughs> yeah, because if, if, 
if they want if, if they want it to be something, they'll make it more appealing. They will advertise it more. They'll make you see more reasons why. See, take it like this. Say in the UK now, they have shortage. There is a shortage of or the, for, the forecast to see, and there'll be shortage of of the birth rate will decline. They would start inviting people to come into the UK, just like I, uh, the Irish government do a couple of years ago. They will start advertising for families to start, like you know, giving birth to make sure that it, that that the birth rate comes back or their population ramps up again. Um, yeah, sorry about this. Um, go ahead, Matilda. Yeah. Yes, Matilda, I want to ask you the question. Uh, do you think uh, putting this uh, ideas and saying to young women go in your career full big time until you finish and 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 figure out what you want to do next do you think that is a great idea to advertise it to to women to young women yeah of course definitely not watching kardashian and Nicki minaj or whatever that is i think uh, it's important to teach young women that you need to go get your education because lots of times with your education you find you fight for your freedom you never know what life can bring you um you might be married and all of a sudden uh, god forbid the husband dies or something happens you need to be able to have a good education to provide for your children now i think it's important also to say yeah you need to go have a good education good career and advertise marriage as well marriage having kids um and also maybe we can we need to question the laws and uh, maternity leave for example why in certain countries is so limited i know um we have a friend here right now with us uh, he's from sweden simon's friend uh, they have i think two years of maternity leave paid in america it's eight weeks unpaid now it's up to company that they pay certain amount I think, um, yeah, women need to be educated. What's the other alternative? Not get educated, finish high school and stay home and get married and see when the husband is bringing home some money so they can do their nails or they can do, I don't know, something that they like to do or uh, just take care of kids. I think there is more to a woman. Women are very complex. Uh, we can... Uh, yes. I think we are not just satisfied being in one thing. We want yeah. all, all of it together. Men are more simple. So uh, comparing men to women is a very, I think, wrong thing to do. Men might be very happy with a career. Women only with career, they're not happy. They want to have children. They want to have good friends. They want to have a meaningful life. They want to have a good husband as well. So all of it. Why so if you miss one of these... Yes, so if you miss one of these factors that you are saying, what you are out I don't of the think game? You should, I don't think you should, I don't think you How should we, miss it. Because we don't Nancy, have much time. Nancy, are you going to men are simple, Nancy. I'm, I'm, simple. I'm just a simple guy <laughs> waiting for the chance to get my simple response. Okay, so you know, I, I mean, Matilda, it, it you, you brought up some good points. Okay, you, you brought up some good points, but you know, again, I, I would venture to say, and let's think about this. Let's really think about like a pipeline or a career line, right? Um, because 
something that we're really missing here is when Simon was talking about, you know, maybe a woman, if she gets too much education, she she takes herself out of the marketplace. Right. Um, two things. One is the person's got to have a good personality. Right. Whether they have more education, less education, if they don't have a pleasing personality, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Um, but and, and Peterson talks about that. Right. Um, and then the other thing is. I'll give you an example. When I went to that, go getting that education um, or that professional environment, that is a great place for a woman to meet a spouse. That is a great place for her to meet a spouse. All right. Yeah, that's um, definitely. It's not anymore. Huh? <laughs> it's not anymore with the pandemic. Believe well, me. Well, we'll do another university, podcast. We'll, university. We'll do, we'll do another podcast yeah, so I remember when I went to school at the University of Georgia, um, it was these girls, you know, you meet your fellow classmates, and I remember I asked these girls, hey, what, what's your, what are you getting your major in? What's your degree in? Where are you getting it? And the, these girls said, I'm, I am here for my MRS degree. And I remember I, I went back to my dorm, and I was like, MRS degree? What the hell is an MRS degree? And I, and I, was, and I was looking at them, I'm like, you're too young to get, be in a master's program. And, uh, you know, Okay, no internet. And I remember I looked in this little book, you know, and there was no MRS. No, and no. I was like, all right. And uh, yes, yes, I'm, there were dinosaurs. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and then finally, my roommate said, Nelson, what does MRS stand for? And I'm like, I don't know, master's in research? No, Mrs. MRS. They were there to get a husband, they were there to become a Mrs. So and so, MRS degree. So, a perfect environment, a perfect environment for them to meet. And a lot of these women, they were getting degrees in um, teaching. They were getting degrees in like teaching uh, early childhood, grade school, because they kind of had this thing mapped out. But they knew that they were in a great environment where they were going to meet a guy for that MRS degree, right? So um, th th there is a little bit of kind of wargaming here that we that people, if they're not doing, they're being a little bit naive about things. Okay. All right, uh, Carla, back to you. Okay. Yes, Carla. Okay, so we've got lots of comments coming in uh, about lots of things that you guys have been talking about. Women are in leadership in all our arms of government in my country. For example, in judiciary, the Chief Justice and the Deputy Chief Justice are all women. In the National Assembly, the Deputy Speaker is a woman both in the Senate and in the National Assembly. We also have women beating men in the National Athletics. As a Kenyan and African, I'm proud of, of our women's role in this society. Uh, Salo, welcome back, Salo. Nice to have you here. Says, hello, guys. Long time. From my perspective, I think ladies have made it a sort of competition when it comes to career as they say one is more beautiful with brains and as we know this gender when it comes to competing amongst themselves it gets crazy it certainly does uh, Akram nice to have you back Akram there is no doubt that the materialistic society did not have mercy on women especially married women and Daniel adds to that Women's successful predecessors have contributed a lot in our societies to educate a girl child and scramble for meaningful jobs such as doctors, pilots, engineering, etc. These concepts are actually meaningful to our traditional setup. 
we are embracing the elements of modernity and he's speaking there in the Kenyan context I think and Akram a mother who is absent from her child during the maternity stage is a harm that cannot be remedied later regardless of the society's need for her work I think that's a very important comment very very yeah. important and I can yeah. back that up in my yeah. years of education, I've seen lots of children. In fact, hundreds of children have come uh, through my classrooms over the years, many of which are affected by this, uh, of, you know, being taken away from their mother at a young age, um, whether as, as a result of traumatic things, such as the mother not being able to care for the child or as a result of mothers going to work. And the irony of it is, is that quite often we... Um, we rank people in society according to what their, pa their parents do for a job. So the higher the position of the parents, the more status the child has. But actually, when it comes to things like learning disorders and the impacts of trauma, there is no difference. So whether the child comes from a wealthy home um, and is traumatized because its mother puts it in an expensive nursery with all the mod cons, or the child is traumatized because the mother is a poor a drug addict from an inner city rough neighborhood, the impact on the child is exactly the same. Um, and I think this is something that's often not discussed uh, when we look at things like status and also education um, and um, I'd, different I'd jobs. Like, I'd, I'd like to ask Carla a quick question. Carla, would you say um, in, this, in the status one or status, as you say, um, would you say the, the ones that are coming from a higher income, that's kind of a first generation problem, like first generation where they made money, or would you say that's a second and third generation? Again, it's just of what you've seen. It doesn't make any difference. The fact is a baby, when it's born, has certain needs. And if those needs are not being met, there will be an impact on the child's development. No, no what, what I'm getting to is this, is that I, I think some folks, when it's kind of first generation money, they have a perception of, oh, I need to put them in this nursery and I need to forget about these things that got me here. So I don't know if that makes I see what he's saying. I see what you're saying. I, I think it's to, to answer that question, Nelson, I, I believe it's more about the people themselves and how they see things, because I've met, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people and I've interviewed many an immigrant and many people who have been and born and bred and established with money. And um, it just depends on their mindset as a family and um, as individuals to what they really value um, mm -hmm. moving along like that. I will, excuse me, I will say, um, I will back what Carla says. Um, I did an, I've done an interview with many nannies and many um, nursery nurses for very wealthy CEOs um, nurseries and they always complain why do these career women have children if they're not prepared to just sacrifice two years to look after them um, even if the child's sick they still bring the child to the nursery they don't care if it's in in um, infecting other children you call them you say your child needs to go to a hospital you need to come home now they say oh yeah i'm busy i'll be home an hour early and that's so so common and one of the last conversations i had with a lady um she's with her children as it goes her children were like teenagers and I, she was talking about what she does and um she was very dismissive of her husband who's a stay-at-home husband she had no respect for him whatsoever to the point the daughter said, no, daddy does work. He works in a bicycle shop. <laughs> and she was like, 
Oh yeah, okay, the bicycle shop, if you call that a job. So uh, when we, when the feminists are like advocating for work and all of this and all of that, I always look at it like from, from my own experience is that for a period of time, somebody needs to stay at home for the child's interest. And you don't have to look down on the other person. And, and so stereotypically, you could say that lady had the attitude of a typical man against her husband um and it shouldn't be a negative attitude regardless yes. to whoever wants to stay, stay home but women kind of certain times women can get very aggressive trying to be let's say a male dominated industry and take on traits that aren't necessarily conducive to the relationship or to the ch child's well-being yes it's, it's a very important uh, point you mentioned uh, simon but i want to go back to carla uh, because she traveled and she worked and she's she's a single mother. So I want to know, do you think the company or the career you had, you got a support? Uh, because what Simon is saying is saying that there are a lot of mothers who are pursuing career. They neglect somehow their children and they don't pay attention uh, to their children. So do you think it's 100% fault of women or or the, the work or the society? What do you think, Carla? I'll just read these two comments because actually a couple of the comments lead into what I'm going to say. So um, here, Mr. Infinity says motherhood in today's world appears to restrict women from career building, social freedom and independence. Um, Akram says good news. The state of Qatar decided to reduce the number of working hours per day. And he also says with the aim of the state's plan to maintain a strong, stable family that enjoys support and care. Well, that's unfortunate because they could have done that a few years ago and I might still be there. <laughs> because actually, this is one of the reasons why I left my job. Um, I was working in Qatar. I worked in Qatar for eight years. And I found it incredibly difficult. I worked in what would be traditionally known as a female uh, job. I was a teacher. Um, but the hours of teaching uh, were very long, just like any other job. Um, I would leave the house quite often between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. And I wouldn't get back until after four. And that's if I was strict and left my desk on time, which quite often I didn't. I had to be told off by managers and run out with the building, told to go home because I was so passionate about my job. But eventually I had to quit because I realized that my son uh, was really struggling. And I'd done all of the things, you know, he was being looked after at home by his dad, which I have to say did not work in, <laughs> in my case. I'm not saying it doesn't work for other families, but in mine, it didn't work. Um, but also I'd been through the whole thing of paying for a very expensive nursery once he got past two years old, which also wasn't worth it. Um, it just can't make up. And my son was one and a half when I went back to work. I took a long maternity leave. I'd planned to resign. Um, actually fully from teaching when he was born and homeschooling but because of financial issues I ended up having to go back to work which is the case with so many parents even women who work very hard in their careers with the view of being able to be at home later in life when they have children when the ec economic changes come in society quite often they they do have more choices like Nelson said I do have choices like now I work from home and I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't educated myself over the years but it is a tough journey quite often um, for mothers. Um, and no, the jobs and the job providers do not um, give enough support. Um, in some countries they try, 
um, like in the countries that have long uh, maternity leave. But maternity leave is still with the, with the future that you're going to come back to work eventually. And children's needs don't stop when they get out of the baby stage. So Akram put a comment earlier about the, the early years. And the early years are very important, but the early years are not up to two, they're up to seven. From a child development point mm. of view, the first seven years of life are very important. Um, but what we've been doing over the years in order to justify children being put in nursery and away from their parents and things like that, we've been reducing the age. So it went down to five and then it went down to four, then the first three years, but actually developmentally at seven. Um, and children need a stable um, care environment, a stable care provider, and they need that person to be present with them emotionally, psychologically, and to be fully invested in the task of looking after them. So not running around trying to earn money, keep clients, do this, do that, because it is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Even when you are a full-time parent, um, just living at home and looking after the children, that keeps you on your toes 24 hours a day. You do not rest. And literally, there is a point at which the evening comes where you're exactly as you would be when you're at work. You're watching your watch and watching the clock for the last hour to tick down. It's like that when you're parenting. It's like, oh, my goodness, is it story time yet? Because I'm ready to sleep now. It's a full-time job. Um, and that is, it's, it's overlooked. The, yeah. the value of it, how demanding it is, is overlooked. And the fact that it's almost impossible to juggle it successfully without some collateral damage yeah. on, you know, all different sides. Um, yes. But it isn't acknowledged a lot of the time in business because that's not business priority. And I think that's why women, particularly mothers uh, or people who plan to be mothers, have to take ownership of it. You have to take control of your life and your child's life. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions like I did. You have to quit. And I put a lot in. Um, I put, I'd invested a lot into it. I was really successful. I was offered another position and all sorts of things, but I just, I chose my son because I felt mm -hmm. like I had to do that because it was the most important thing to do. Yes. I just want to point out that for England, you've got to remember the government is happy to have more people working to tax revenue. And I personally believe the government is willing to sacrifice the family element the family values because um to get more as much tax money out of the people in general um and traditionally it's ideal that somebody stays home for the children's younger early development years as carla says uh, because the government's got their agenda to get you know we call it lord of the manor mentality you know um if you ever watched the uh, cartoon robin hood where he's holding the sheriff the sheriff's holding the plate the little bunny said give me more money more money it's like that's how they're treating the public and it has that detriment but then you also do have people who let's say if your husband's earning a quarter of a million but the wife wants to have an empowered job as well and then you could ask yourself what is really your core values um i I'll just tell you a short story i had a, a young girl in a car the other i should put it she's in my taxi sorry and <laughs> just to fight quickly. And um, she was with, having a quick chit chat. And five minutes into the conversation, she's telling me her dad owns, um, her dad owns one of these multi-million pound flats in, in central London overlooking the Thames and has a flat in uh, Washington, DC. The mum has a, a big house in the place in Chiswick, in area. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because the girl 
turned around five minutes into conversation and said, can you tell me why I shouldn't kill myself? Because I've been talking to my psychiatrist and therapist and they said I should talk to somebody who seems like they've got their life together. I don't know why she's asking me. <laughs> but anyway, um, but she, on a serious note, and she said, think, and it, it kind of, I answered the question the best I could. But I looked at it. You've got so much money and thing around you, but you're missing that. Something's gone wrong with interaction, communication, whether it's from a very young age or even now. I assume it could only assume, but that's, you know, and when a lot of people are killing themselves, it's always usually the people's parents, uh, sorry, parents of yeah. the children who are established in money and job and career. And they look like, oh, what went wrong? Well, you didn't spend time with your child. Yes. You a know, lot of trauma. Parents, not necessarily mum, it's just parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of trauma could happen because parents were not present uh, in the children's uh, early years. So, Carla, I think we have a lot of comments to read. <laughs> so, yeah, Daniel says. Comments. Yeah, yeah awesome. Thank you, guys. It's great to have you for your input. Daniel says the world has set a fair, a comprehensive and efficient level of competition in terms of innovation and invention. And women have demonstrated certain unique talents, thereby some winning Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, Nads uh, says, totally agree that it is so important for the mother to be integrated fully into a child's life, especially during their formative years. And also a career is very important, but I don't know, I'm not more so. It's a balancing act that women have to go through. It's hard, but can be done. Jewel says, I have enjoyed a wonderful career. But when I had children, I felt that motherhood must take a priority. I balanced that with starting my own business. It's hard to find a balance. Absolutely, definitely, Jules. Sometimes it's harder, actually, to start a business as a parent mm -hmm. than it is to have a nine-to-five job. Um, Salo um, says, I don't think the career women neglect their children. It's more of a life plan. And according to most of them, the nanny sports their children's issues. And Jules says, totally agree with Carla. Uh, Mr. Infinity says, totally agree with Jules, difficult to find a balance, especially when the kids are still young and need full attention. I think even when they get older, a lot of issues to do with teenagers actually result uh, from their parents being distracted by work and assuming that because they're teenagers, they can take their key. <laughs> As Nelson pointed out earlier, they can take their key and let themselves in and behave themselves while their parents um, come in, but they don't, they often don't. So I think even teenagers need somebody to be hovering around. Mr. Infinity says, great meeting guys, have to go another call. Great to have you with us, Mr. Infinity, and we hope to see you again. And Jules, Mr. Infinity, I agree. Back to you. Yes. Okay, Matilda, I think you had a point to, to mention, or Nelson, go ahead if you... Well, I have like maybe two points to mention. I wanted to make sure like people understand the fe feminist movement was very important movement for human history, for humans. We need to have a balanced society. If we want to have a strong woman, we need to have strong men as well. And I think one of the reasons that feminism failed in Feminism failed in so many ways. One of the ways is we gave power to women, but then we don't give power to men. So we are bringing women up and the men are on the same level. Look at women in uh, 70 years ago, where they are and where they are now. 
the the standard is higher now for a woman. But what about men? Have we raised the standard? That's one of the issues. Instead of maybe bringing women down, then okay, you shouldn't have higher education because your kids and your work might be your uh, husband family life and your kids might suffer, why we cannot think about we need to educate our leaders that we need mothers to leave work and have maternity leave and have good pay so they don't worry about it so they can focus on their children instead of saying, oh, the woman shouldn't have higher education so it will be easier to, for the husband to handle. So we need to raise the bar for men as well. And also I wanted to read something very interesting. In America, feminist movement was different because in 1920s, uh, if anyone is familiar with our commandments in a 19, 19th commandment is about women voting, which happened in 1920s. And it, feminism started, was the first movement of feminism in America. In France, it's a different story. And I was shocked to read that. French women, so in 1965, French women are given the right to choose professional activity and manage their own assets in 1965. Before that, they couldn't even open a bank account. How is this possible? I cannot even imagine that I'm a woman after that couple of generations. So for me to even imagine it, how can a woman not have a career, not have a bank account? If my husband tells me you cannot work, is that possible? Like. I cannot even imagine Sasha tells me that. So how has it changed? So feminist movement is important. And people, when they're judging it, yeah. they have to understand there's four different waves of feminism. There is six, seven types, different types of feminism. So just coloring everything with one brush is not right. It's like yeah. politics, it's like religion. We have Taliban that are religion, but obviously what they practice is way different than Islam. So feminism was important for human liberty, not only woman yeah. liberty. Yes, I agree with that. And we, we need to mention uh, the pros and cons of it, not only the cons, yes. And uh, I, I agree with that, but we have an important question for the audience, and this is the last one uh, before we wrap up with uh, some more questions for my co-host, is about are women being lied to pursuing a career and take it as a fulfillment for the life? Because this is an important question uh, for the show, and I would really love to have your answers on this. Uh, I want to go back to Victor because I know you have uh, a daughter and I would like to know what are the values that you are trying to teach your, your daughter to be and, and how you can manage all these complicated issues. It's a question for Victor, Nelson, mm -hmm. Simon also, he has a daughter, so, <laughs> and also Carla. <laughs> like, like, like Carla said, even teenagers, they are the challenge, they are the major challenge because when the parents are that 13, 14, you know, they start going head to head with you when it comes to trying to instill. So that's formative years, you need to actually like be very, very strategic when you're putting stuff, um, when you're making, what's it called, when you're making plans in front of them. Because when they get to this age and see, before they used to come to me, for answers now they go to Google straight away. Again, what did you hear that from? Oh, come on, daddy, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. So, when 
when I don't bring in something that made sense to them, the next minute they just bring out their phone and start like, and they get another answer. So I try as much as possible in the last, um, the last two, the last two three years, to actually try to because I recently got cleared on my own values. So I try to like make them see the reason why they need to get some 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 pillars in life, which are the values that they, no matter what, they shouldn't go past these boundaries. So I try as much as possible to make them have their own core values, their pillars to like live by because they would go somewhere else tomorrow. I don't live with my parents anymore. They will go somewhere else tomorrow. And it is those values that I believe that Google cannot give to them or YouTube, they can learn from YouTube. So I believe these are the stuff that, and above all, I want them to be the best that they can be and live a very fulfilled life and never ever neglect family, which is one of my core values anyway. Mm. Yes, very interesting, uh, Victor. Uh, Nelson, what do you think, what should we teach young Woman, I know you have a very, very lovely daughter, so. Um, I, what I think is important is, well, there's a couple of things. One is that sometimes we feel that the grass is greener on the other side, right? That the other person is doing better. So it's important to be very grounded in your values and in your habits. Um, so that, that that's important, right? And uh, along with that, it's important is to teach um, decision making and that decisions have consequences. Um, you know, decisions have consequences. And to be not so much like a pinball. Society says this, society says that. Well, the question is, what does society value? And then what is it that we value? What do I value? What's what's important? So um, a, a lot of this is if if there's a lot of me, 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 maybe the solution is we, we, we. Um, so, you know, mate selection is important, right? Who do you select to be your mate? Uh, what, what's this, what, what tribe do we create? Because that, that's all very, very important right there. Um, but to me, I, I think it's kind of taking a longer view towards, towards things, not so much a, um, like, how do I raise my value in society and how does that work through time? Okay. Because there's yeah. time, there's timelines for everything. And, yeah. if, and if we can, so for me, so I teach that to my daughter, I teach uh, leadership and I, I, I like to emphasize it and also uh, decision-making and how decisions have consequences. And I make it all into a game. For, for my daughter who's 10, I make it all into a game because they want to play. Um, so I'm going to take advantage of her ability to want to play, to be competitive, uh, to be able to do that. And uh, and she even says, it, says, you know, what about this boy right here? Why don't you, why don't you play with him? She goes, daddy, he cries too much. So even even at that young age, she says, hey, he, he's like, he cries too much. You know, <laughs> I'm always having to push him along. So... Um, Selection is important. Decision making is important, yeah. and uh, and that and the grass 
is not always greener on the other side unless <laughs> you plant it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Nelson. That's it. Thank you. Simon, I would love to know what do you teach your daughter about about this, this issue? I teach. Well, I mentioned my daughter before. I teach her about the core values. So you have a goal, and in having your goal, you've got to be realistic about what's going to happen. Because let's say her goal is to now become an orthodontist, but she also says she wants to have four children. Well, when you have four children, you're going to become a team with somebody, so you're going to have to compromise. Regardless of who you pick, you have to look at, and where your career is, you have to look at what are best your skills to what are best his skills. And I said, for instance, if you look at your mother and you look at me, what are my attributes that I bring to the table when it comes to dealing with things? She said, well, you always bring money, Dad. You know, you always do this. And I said, what does Mum do? Well, Mum understands and takes time and all this. I said, okay. So you may have those attributes of your mum, as well as me, of course. But when you're going on doing your career and now you want to start having children, if you've got those attributes and your partner has attributes that I have, <laughs> You may have to, you know, take a break. But what I do want to say is something that, um, relation to one of the big issues or things with women in the workplace isn't necessarily to do with just men. It's because you've got two kind of sides of career women. You've got women who are happy to be in a career and then they say, oh, I'm going to take a five-year or 10-year break, whatever, and look after their kids. You've got other women who say, I'm going to carry on, carry on. Now, if everybody was, let's say, family core value, family related and said, OK, um, I'm just going to take the break, look after my kids and come back and slot in wherever, then there's not so much competition. Do you see what I mean? But because mm -hmm. some women are staying in there no matter what and just giving their kids to like nannies and all of that, it kind of offsets the things and they're kind of you're pointing at maybe pointing at men when really and truly is your woman counterpart that you're competing against, not necessarily yeah. the man. And I just wanted to throw that out there as a bit of a devil's advocate thing. Um, I'm not saying women shouldn't have a career at all, I believe. So I want my daughter to have a career and a business and her family. <laughs> and I would do everything possible to make sure that happens. But it's just something on a real real life situation. Yeah we need to consider as a unit. Yeah. Yeah. Carla. Also, um, there is an important factor as well. Not just uh, Nelson brings out a good point about partner selection and uh, Simon's adding more to it about planning and all of that kind of thing. But I think the rest of us as well, sometimes we forget the role that the rest of us have to play in it. And I was thinking when Simon said that uh, about my perspective as well with my daughters, I'm not just thinking about my son now. My son is 10. He needs me around as a mother. But I'm also thinking about my daughters. And as they're going to plan their careers, what role am I going to play as a grandmother? I'm thinking about that already from now because of my experience. So when we're looking at society and we're saying, oh, this is not right and that's not right and women have a hard uh, job juggling family, we also have to look at ourselves and say, well, am I someone that supports the women around me or the women that I'm raising? And am I going to be prepared to provide a support system for them so that if they are, for example, like Simon's daughter, going to have a business and a career and a family, can I play a role to support them a little bit? Because support mm -hmm. systems are essential. 
Um, and if we don't see our role in society as part of the support system as well, that also contributes to problems um, for families, for children, for husbands, as well as for wives, for fathers and mothers. Um, because lots of fathers also face challenges with balancing fatherhood um, and um, career, which is also often overlooked. You have lots of single fathers now as well. Mm. Yes. Go ahead, Nelson, and then Matilda. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, kind of something that Simon said, and um, it's like if, if with the with the daughter that you're going to be an orthodontist. Um, any any career, I think, that's worthwhile. Again, what Carla said, you, it needs to be a team effort. It's not that I'm an orthodontist. You know, behind every, let's just say, difficult career difficult profession there is someone else behind you it's just way too much for one person to take on by themselves it, it just is it is way too much so that same criteria needs to be applied um an orthodontist they're competing against the other orthodontists okay that practice doesn't run by itself so um so the same criteria to selecting that mate needs to apply to that uh military got you know there's, there's just a whole slew of criteria and things um that gets to be added on and that's heck a, a total podcast uh, episode by itself but i'll turn over to you kaola and matilda yes matilda go ahead you know, uh, the other day I was thinking about it and I was like, why in every culture they're glorifying motherhood a lot? Motherhood is beautiful, but not every woman should be a mother. I mean, they're not psychologically balanced to be a mother. We have a lot of crazy mothers in the world. But somehow the literature and society is always glorifying that, oh, you're a woman, you should become a mother. But maybe we have to understand, like, the well-being of a woman emotionally before becoming a mother is important. So advertising motherhood constantly, I don't think it's the right thing. Also, otherwise, also, I think there are a lot of women that they go through depression when they have children. Uh, there's this woman that I love, actually. I have a question. Uh, okay. okay. I'm talking. One second. All right. I'm going to finish right. my All point. Right. Okay. Uh, the, her book is Black Milk. Elif Shafak, she's a beautiful novelist, uh, Turkish writer. She's one of my idols. And she talks about it. And it's, um, it's interesting because uh, we don't talk about that women go through these kind of emotional challenges. And um, I met actually last week a friend of mine that she gave birth and she has a severe depression. The husband is in trauma because he thinks like, oh, motherhood has to be this glorifying thing. And he's not even trained to take care of that child because he thought the mother will, will the uh, mother instinct will kick in, but it's not kicking in for somehow it's not kicking in. And this guy is in trouble. And we have to talk yes. about, I think, feminist movement needs to talk about these as well. Just glorifying motherhood, it's not that. There is a lot of hardship coming. It, it, for a normal mother, it can be yes. very, uh, it's a profound joy. But if you're not balanced, then there is a problem there. Yes, Matilda, but no one says motherhood is is an easy thing to do. It's just for lazy people. It's very, very hard task to do. Nelson, go ahead. Final thoughts, please. Okay, look. So, Matilda, just on that thing about motherhood, okay? 
it's, it's about value. How do we value in society? So let me break down the situation. You're on the Titanic. It's going down. The lifeboat is there. There's two women. One says, I don't believe in motherhood. I'm not going to have a kid. I'm a this, I'm a that. The other one is a mother. Who gets on the lifeboat? Oh, for me, coming from a culture that I am mother. But is okay. every mother a valuable mother? This is the key. We are right. not talking about no, the exa- psychological exactly. balanceness. Exactly. So we're talking about what society values, right? Yeah. What society values. Okay. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Guys, you know on the Titanic, just, just you know you're jump, going down or you're getting over. All just right. to jump in there quickly, um, yeah. a lot of mothers or who are struggling with depression don't have the traditional family unit where you have, like if you use an example of the African thing, if three months prior to having a child, you stay with your mum, your aunt's there, your sister's there, you give birth, you go and rest. They just pass the baby around, feeding it, talking, everybody comes, blah, blah, blah. And that goes on for three to six months. You regenerate the birth. They only wake you up when it comes to breastfeeding, blah, blah, blah. Six yeah. months later, you're ready to go. You've still got the support system if you need it. But the Western model is a problem. And that's yeah. why you get so many cases of depression. So mm-hmm. I think we do need to be clear the difference between different traditions and cultures. Yeah. And a Western thing is not always the best, and I think yeah. society's proven that. Yeah, well. and that's why we need we need <laughs> we need leaders to um, to give certain I don't know laws that pass certain laws that is benefiting motherhood. Otherwise, the society is in danger. Guys, we have hey, comments Matilda, you want to read. Well, Matilda, there's too much. There's too many laws. See, there's uh, there's an African tradition called Omugo. Omugo, that's what they call it. So where the wife's mom, after giving birth, the wife's mom officially lives with the with the with the newborn mom for three to six months, teaching her A B A B C. Yeah, but it's not it a different do, word. It is not. It is not. It's not it has nothing to do with laws. It has nothing to do with passing out new laws or not. That is how it it is. But maybe if we have better maternity leave. A woman I think the, a I think the feminist movement should promote family uh, to promote family values more. See, M- M- Matilda, what what's happened? What seems to be happening? You're look, disregarding the traditional thing, and you're saying we need to make it better by hitting the workplace. Listen, in the Western world, we should. Guys, guys, we need to we need to read the comments, so okay. we don't have oh, much time, right. please. Okay, right. So Daniel says, I am a father of three girls, no boys, so I'm careful to bring up the girl child in a well-defined manner. Thomas says, I'm an ultra-red feminist. I work in a hospital, eight-year waiting list, and women in positions are causing the problem. And when you try and get things sorted, they lie. It's sad and hurts seeing women who care more about themselves than the greater good and the damage this does to feminism. I will use these women as examples of how not to behave when I'm teaching my niece about life and love. Okay, and Daniel says parents must be passionate in nurturing talents in a girl child and embrace embrace their dreams. I know that there are some parts of the world where backwardness in raising girl child is still a challenge because they don't believe in girl child supremacy in the society. And Thomas, uh, welcome back, Thomas. I will teach my niece uh, everything, nothing or no thing will get in her way. She will be smart, strong, but more importantly, nice. 
And Jules, the system in some workplaces and industries don't always allow for the woman to take a break and slot back in. Women are not necessarily trying to compete if they are in a field already. And Jules says, not on a level playing field. So for some mothers, balancing motherhood and career becomes making a choice between motherhood mm. or the career. Definitely. Yeah. And Salo says, I don't think the women are being lied to. Some of the careers act as a security based on the family she is coming from, the country she is in, and mostly for herself in case she needs it in the future. The world is full of surprises. You'd never know which weapon you need in the future, despite mm. how planned you are. Very good point. Yes, very right. interesting points. Uh, and now we need to to know our co-hosts. I would like to have one minute each uh, each one of you to not to tell me uh, or to answer the question, the the principal question: Are women being lied to regarding pursuing career? Go ahead, Matilda. Um, I don't think you are being lied to. I think. Uh, it is what it is this is the situation we have a biological clock obviously it's a little bit of a disadvantage as far as when you're competing with men in a career um, in your career field but uh, it's beautiful as well motherhood is beautiful your career is beautiful your friends are I think we women can have it all now you need to balance it in a certain way maybe you need to have a better support system uh, you need to find a better husband to support you in all that way as well. So choice is important. And um, I think we can have it all. If uh, I have to stay home and just take care of my kids, I don't know. I, I'm not a mother. I don't think I will be that fulfilled. But having all together, we, I will have okay. a more beautiful life, I think. Okay. Victor? Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think they've been lied to. Um, I don't believe that um, they choose they chose the lie because um, it brings down the. It goes more personal to me, what success means to you. As a woman, so if you believe that, um, I'm not against women who follow their career, I'm not against the ones who, but to me, personally, I would hope for my offspring to have it all, if they can have it all. Okay, thank you, Victor. Nelson? Yes, Nelson? Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't say that they're being lied to. Uh, I, I would say that people need to take a really long look at the decision-making process and really look down deep within themselves and for what kind of life they want to lead. Uh, so that's what I would think would be even more important because, because it's important. I mean, why do we go to do a career so we can create an income and also have a feeling of being valued and important to society and in society. So I think it's important you know, the questions that we ask have a lot of importance. Uh, yeah. There, so they need to ask that kind of the second and third question, not not just this yes or no question, but um, will this will this create the life that I want, and how will it create the life that I want to lead? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a better question. How will this create the life that I want to lead, mm -hmm. the life that I want to create? It's a how question, and um, that kind of by itself will 
make the other questions and things fit into place. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down to vision. Simon, your final thoughts. Are women being lied to? It's it's interesting, especially being near to the last, because I get to hear other people's opinion. As Nelson Mandela said, always be the last one to speak, but Carla, it's (laughs) a privilege. Um, I wouldn't say they're not being, they're being lied to, but what I would say is this. You, men don't get to do both. They don't get to be a stay-at-home dad and a career. So I think have a full-time career. So I think realistically, you have to look at it and say, well, if you're trying to do what men do, then it's you, you can try and mix and blend, but you're not going to be able to do the whole full-time career as a man does it and do the f- real in-depth mother thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that's where the falling down comes into play, that you've got to be things. You can always say, yeah, the workplace should do this and the workplace should do that. But at the end of the day, I would argue your family structure should be supporting you. Your grandmother, your mum, all those people. Those are the things that matter. You can't just start telling your employee, you need to give me more time so I can stay at home as well as do this. No. In fairness, yeah, there's a certain amount, but there's a cutoff line. Hmm. And if anybody who's owned their own business, you don't want people coming to you who are just going to bring your business down and cost you more and more more money. You want people to be committed to do the thing and their own personal issues or their own personal issues. But that doesn't mean I don't want women in the workplace. That just means we as people need to be realistic about what we can, what our limitations may be in certain circumstances. That's all mm. I'd have to say. Yes. Thanks, Simon, for the input. Carla? We've got two final comments from Thomas. He says, the nicest woman gets on. And a mother is the greatest job. Thank you for those comments, Thomas. Um, are women being lied to? Yes, if they listen to the wrong voices, always. You will, you will, if you like lies, there's always going to be someone out there to tell them to you. So it all depends on who you listen to. And I definitely like what Nelson said earlier about choices. It's about choice. But it's also, I think, one of the greatest lies in life in general is that there is a life course that comes without negative consequences. There is no life course or no choice that can be perfect. Um, And when we have this phrase of having it all, that sometimes gives the impression that there will be no negative consequences, but there will be. Um, And it's all a choice. You're going to choose this one that's going to have a set of pros and cons and that one that's going to have a set of pros and cons. There will be no perfect option. Um, And I think that's a lie if you believe that. Um, but the choice that you will make, if you have the skills, if you have the resources, if you have the support system and the network to facilitate that and make that work for you, um, then you can't go wrong. Yeah. Thanks, Carla. Yes, yeah. Nelson. Yeah. Please just, make it short. Yeah. So, um, hey, I'm a, I'm a simple guy, right? So that's what Matilda said. We're simple. So it's going to be simple. So, so, so it was something that Carla just said that, you know, people say, hey, they, they want it all, right? Well, I'm they do sorry, get it all. I'm saying compared to women, men are simpler. <laughs> uh, Matilda, I'm good. So, but what Carla I just says, want to give facts. And that's a fact. You can look at it. Any psychoanalyst, they say women are more complex than men. Yes. Women emotion is more complex. Just wanna, if you want to Google it, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of Victor's daughters. I'm not going to be Googling all that stuff. So, uh, but something that Carla said which is that, uh, you know, people want to have it all, right? So, so people do get it all to include the downside too. So they, we really do get it all. 
So they get it all to include the downside. And, and that, that's just what I want. But we just have to be cognizant of what the downside is, right? All is not upside. All is the downside and the upside. And, yeah. and that, that's it for me. Thank you, Carl. Thank you guys for your input. And for me, yes, that was a lie because I heard the wrong voices, as Carla said, because I thought that career is the ultimate uh, goal uh, for my life. And I neglected a lot of things and I wasn't paying attention because all of the stress, all of the lack of support system, I found myself in a, in, a, in a place where I was always career, 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 because I don't have anybody else. I just need to go straight forward. And now my mind has shifted. Uh, and a lot of women at my age in a lot of countries, their minds shifted at the end of their 20s to, to find something else and to pay more attention to the things that matters rather than career. Uh, thank you so much for commenting and uh, for being here and watching. I know we are running out of time, so I would like to thank George, Mr. Infinity, Anders, Daniel, Akram, uh, who else? Uh, Jewel, Salo, uh, everyone who is watching us, everyone who is supporting us. Please uh, give us our feedback, share this for someone who is in need. Share this for young women all over the world. They need to hear that they have choices, but they have also limited time. <laughs> so I'm the host of the podcast, Women with Stories. You can find me on Spotify and all other platforms. I will just let my co-host to introduce their podcast. Go ahead, guys. Simon Rushton, my podcast is Taxi Chronicles. I interview people when they're in taxi and they tell me all about their life, their journey their story and sharing their gift, which is hopefully to enhance your life once you've listened to their interview. Um, over to you, Carla. And I'm Carla, I'm the host of the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, which is a podcast for parents, for mothers and for fathers and for educators and everyone who's interested in children's education and wellbeing. Over to you, Nelson. And I'm Nelson Nelson De Zambrano here, the host of Investing in America, where we talk about how to invest in U.S. real estate and bring in other topics as well. And yes, there's a YouTube channel coming and a book, which should be coming out by the end of the year. All right. Over to you, Matilda. And I'm Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, Journey to Self. And our podcast is on all platforms. Uh, podcast platforms on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, over to you, Kavla. And uh, Victor, do you want to uh, tell Victor's podcast? Yes. So you can catch also uh, Victor's podcast, Diaspora Entrepreneurs, on all major uh, podcast platforms. Unfortunately, he needed to leave for emergencies. So uh, I would like to thank all the listeners, all people who tuned in tonight. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And tune in also. Well, well, one, another... one second. One second. One second. Yeah. We have another podcast, Kaola, Women with Stories. Can you tell us about that podcast, Kaola? Yes, well, Women in the Stories podcast, as I mentioned, is a, a podcast to help young women to uh, see uh, and hear and to hear our, our another stories from uh, women across the globe who rose above different challenges and how they have done that. So tune in uh, for new episodes. Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, see you next time. Bye.